Hey everyone, just before we get into this week's episode, we want to thank our sponsors for today, the Medical Defence Union. The MDU support doctors facing medical legal issues and are the market leaders for indemnity in the UK, being also run by doctors. Become a member today to access their 24-hour medical legal helpline and other cool resources, including their free online CPD courses and journals. Check them out on their socials for guidance and advice, including their exciting competitions. Let's get back to the show hey everyone welcome back to the weekly scrubbed in podcast i hope you've all been keeping well it's a lovely moderately sunny day um considering it's been a bit windy today we've got another amazing guest we have i'm sure you all know her we have tash who's also known as tash the medic on instagram she is and i'm super proud to say this she is currently a king's college london student she's finishing um her third year she's planning to intercalate in primary care but the core thing with Tash is she wants to be a GP, similar to us, but she has a really keen interest in mental health. How are you, Tash? Welcome to the show. Welcome. Thank you so much. Thanks for inviting me and for the nice introduction. No. But yeah, I'm good, thanks. Feeling very positive today mm. about lots of exciting things planned. <laughs> Definitely. Awesome. We're, we're really glad you took the time out to come speak to us. Just a bit more background. If you already know, if you're not following Tash, make sure you follow her. Um, she's got thousands of followers and she gives amazing insights into life as a medical student raises awareness about mental health and and is raw and gives you a true account so there's no you know behind the scenes or anything like that she's true and you'll get a great insight so tash there's so many different things i want to talk about but the usual scrubbed in way is tell us your journey share us your journey of when you decided to be a doctor and how you got into med school and how med school has been for yeah. you so far Sure, yeah. So I actually had a lot of doubts about medicine before I started. Um, I'd say around sort of GCSE time, well, after GCSEs, when you have to pick what A-levels you want to study. Um, I was Mm -hmm. naturally a lot better at languages than the sort of the sciences. Um, And my mum actually did languages at university. Um, And sort of my teachers were telling me that I could apply to Oxbridge for languages. Um, I mean, I know no idea whether I would have got in, um, but they were encouraging me to do that um, and not sort of not sort of go for the chemistry, biology, maths route as that was something that I wasn't so mm. good at. So that was a, a massive barrier at the start. Sort of, should I be doing something that you know that I'm naturally better at, or should I be sort of following my heart, if you like it, my head over over my heart? Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. I decided to, to pursue the heart sort of route and um, do chemistry, biology, maths, um, worked super hard at it um, and it paid off and I was very, very lucky to get an offer to study medicine um, straight after school from, um, yeah, nice. to study at King's. Um, so yeah, I think I struggled first year. It was very sort of sciencey, <laughs> and obviously, like I mentioned, mm. I wasn't very good at that um, and I wasn't really enjoying my first year. I, I had a very toxic relationship in my first year um and yeah i struggled with the the content um but i'd say second year um you start your clinical placements in at king's in your second year and that's when i really started to to love it um and really engage with um what i was learning um but also during my second year i i started to um develop um signs and symptoms of depression and anxiety um and sort mm-hmm. of because of the stigma surrounding it I sort of battled with it and pretended that i i was fine 
<laughs> for probably mm. about mm. a year. Um, it took me sort of a year to seek help. Um, and then when I did seek help, when sort of antidepressants were mentioned, I sort of um, ran away, if you like it. Um, and yeah, I really believe the stigma surrounding antidepressants and yeah. sort of admitting that you've got a mental health illness. Um, and previously, sort of a long time ago, when I was 15, I'd suffered from anorexia nervosa. Um, and because mm. I actually was really fortunate and lucky that I was able to recover from that myself, you know, I had the diagnosis from my GP and I was in contact with my GP, but I never, that was sort of the only support I had medically. So I kind of assumed that I could do the same for depression, anxiety, which is why I think I battled um battered mm. with it for so long before i sought proper help uh, help um and sort mm. of as i have been recovering from that sort of all throughout the journey with sort of you know even at my lowest i always wanted to turn this huge sort of negative part of my life into something positive and i, I mm. always sort of had the idea oh I'll write a book like most people do mm. um but then yeah. sort of lockdown madness i was a bit like why don't i just set up an instagram <laughs> page why you know yeah. why not yeah. let's let's give it a go let's i never ever intended to you know engage so many people you know of coming yeah. up to 8000 followers now i i never yeah. ever anticipated that response so i'm i'm so grateful that so many people you know like hearing what i've got to say yeah, yeah. um yeah i I, so I think that's absolutely great that you've done that because the thing is there'll be someone out there who is sort of going through a very similar journey struggling and i think you're that sort of beacon of hope and they can just by the click of a button, see all of your posts, see someone that they can relate to, see an inspirational figure, and actually it will help them on their journey. If we go back a little, a, a few steps now, can you talk us a little bit, if you don't mind, through the journey of how did you go about sort of reaching out for the support networks that are out there, whether it's medical, whether it's psychological, whether it's family, friends, how did you go about sort of picking yourself up can you talk us through that journey sure yeah so um like i said i think the sort of symptoms started to develop during my second year um and i actually mm -hmm. spent a month um last summer so the summer after my second year um in malawi teaching first aid um and it was mm, sort of nice. during that period that i i found that i was actually extremely miserable um and i mm. wasn't enjoying anything and i was just sort of crying for no reason and it was just a really horrible time um and it was really putting um stress on all my relationships you know my relationship with my friends my family my boyfriend mm. um so at this point i i, I now met a, a guy that was um a, a really healthy relationship and still is um nice. not the toxic one i mentioned go in him. my first year yeah. go attach his boyfriend <laughs> <laughs> so the new know, one I really appreciated all those, you know, whether it was my friendships, my relationship, my boyfriend and my family. And at that point, yeah. I knew it was having an impact in them. So I knew I had to do something, you know, at that point, it was less about doing something for myself and more about doing something for all these other people that cared and loved me. So yeah. I when I came back, I reached out to um, King's King's um, counselling service yeah. um which was really mm -hmm. good and i was really lucky because i think because i did that over the summer holidays i was really lucky to get a, like an appointment quite quickly um mm -hmm. so that really helped me to sort of come to terms with what i was going through um and although at this point i hadn't had the actual sort of diagnosis from a doctor i i sort of 
knew myself what you know it was depression anxiety um so I engaged with with that for a few months and uh, things still weren't getting better it was helpful talking about things but it was more sort of Mm. uh, reflecting on the past which I didn't find so helpful and actually sort of brought up new things that I hadn't been sad or worried about before um Mm. so so that was sort of August time last year and then um october november time i decided to go and speak to my gp and sort of bite the bullet um and it was then where they when they diagnosed me with moderate to severe depression anxiety at that stage um Mm. and they sort of suggested antidepressants then because obviously i tried some form of talking therapy and it hadn't helped and because of how long i'd been suffering from it you know antidepressants aren't always first line but in this instance the the GP thought that was the right thing to do. Um, and this was when mm. I sort of ran away, if you like, um, and sort of, you know, cons- sort of thought about it for the next two, three weeks. And, you know, the crying every day was just happening and I was just so yeah. miserable. And I, at that point decided, I think that was when the sort of switch went in my head that, you know, okay, I'm going into this profession. I'm going to be telling my own patients, mm. you know, to, you know, how to manage their depression i need to set a good example to my patients and you know Mm. if i have that sort of stereotype and stigma in my head then that's not a good thing so Mm. yeah it was that point that i was like right i'm gonna take the antidepressants and i'm gonna get rid of this stigma surrounding it Mm. um and it really really helped um and yeah helped for sort of the next couple of months until i hit my 21st birthday and like the end of december and then January had mm-hmm. a, a massive, massive dip. And I think it's really important to talk about yeah. that because I don't want it to come across that my recovery journey was sort of linear and straight line up. Yeah. Bam, repu- recovered, took some sertraline, the antidepressant that I take, yeah. and that was it. Hmm. Um, so January started experience, experiencing suicidal thoughts for the first time, which was very scary and very horrible. Um, mm-hmm. And it was that point I went back to the GP um, mm-hmm. and I was um recommended to try a a proper um sort of cycle of cbt so that's cognitive behavioral therapy for anyone that's not sure um and i was able to do this online which was amazing because i could basically do it from bed if i couldn't leave the house Mm -hmm. um and i was also told about an amazing amazing charity um in london called the listening place which is um Mm -hmm. ran by all volunteers who basically offer to listen to people experiencing suicidal thoughts and sort of talking it through because i'd say like all throughout my journey i never had an issue with um talking to friends family anybody that you know i had depression anxiety but talking about the suicidal thoughts to people that love you is is obviously extremely hard because it results in upset um so yeah so i i did this round of CBT and uh, the, went to the, see the listening place and I increased my dose of sertraline um, and since mm. sort of after that dip um, of about a month I have been recovering and you know as, as, as much as lockdown has been a horrible time for so many people and yeah. a very distressing yeah. and upsetting time it, it has given me a really good chance to sort of focus on me you know I, I very selfishly yeah. saying that um but, but yeah, it's, it's been a nice, I, I feel weird using the word nice, but I've mm. tried to use it, it, you know, in a really positive way for myself. Yeah. That, that, that journey sounds very tough, but I really commend your bravery, your courage to sort of 
make all of those decisions and the way you thought about it it's it's really inspiring for a lot of the medics especially out there who are going through a tough time can you tell us a little bit about what the CBT was like because as doctors as future doctors a lot of us will be actually recommending CBT making referrals into CBT uh, what, what's it like from the angle of being actually doing the CBT therapy Sure. So CBT, the main principle is it's focusing on the now and going forward. So it's not sort of, you know, counselling with a box of tissues where you're sort of talking about the past and and in tears. It's like, right, this is my feelings. What am I going to do about it going forward? Which is why I quite like that. I quite like the sort of methodical approach rather than sort of there, there, pat on the back sort of stereotype of what sort of therapy is, if you like it, as you see in sort of films. Um, And so it's really challenging those negative thoughts that we often have of ourselves, you know, even if that's like Mm -hmm. looking in the mirror and being like, oh, that's a massive spot on your cheek and turning that into something, you know, getting allowing those thoughts, but also challenging them. And so, you know, the way it works with anxiety is sort of, you know, challenging those worries and, and questioning, you know, is that something to allow my brain to think about and just really getting in touch with sort of how you're feeling um, and why you're feeling that way. Um, so, you know, you take the sort of the situation, um, the emotion, so how you're feeling, the behavior, so how you're acting. So, you know, if you're feeling anxious, you might um, feel nauseous. Um, you might, I don't know, sort of lots of different, you might feel like you're having, you might have a panic attack um, and then sort of, um, um, I can't speak. Yeah, that's kind of the principle of it. Um, and I, I honestly think mm-hmm. it's so great. I think I think everyone should do it, regardless yeah, of no, mental absolutely. health illness or not. I think it's amazing. Uh, but yeah, for me, um, how I how I like to talk about it is that the antidepressants were necessary for me to be able to do all these other things that really helped yeah. my mood. So I needed the antidepressants to sort of get me out of that really bad dip and then I could do all the other things yeah. you know are so good for your mood like exercise socializing CBT mindfulness all these kind of things absolutely definitely um and I remember kind of just going back Tash when you went and you did finally get some support and help do you feel the fact that you knew you were a medical student you knew you were in this healthcare profession it kind of hindered your receptiveness to seeking antidepressants um kind of talk us about that and what your understanding or your insight is with regards to mental health in the medical profession because it does exist um and the shame is a lot of people do have mental health conditions and are suffering but suffering in silence um what is your experience with that or has it hindered you in any way yeah absolutely it it did i think whether that was you know conscious or subconscious it it definitely did um i mean the stats sort of speak for themselves this you know of Mm. mental health illness in the in the sort of healthcare profession in general is absolutely awful and shockingly high and i think you know i i really like to use my social media to raise awareness about mental health in general but specific focus on in the medical profession um i think there's a lot of concern about sort of being struck off by the gmc and i even you know receive messages Mm. from aspiring medical students or students starting you know this september saying should i declare that i I have depression or should i declare that i have bipolar or this eating disorder um Mm. i think the word declare Mm. is scary in itself (laughs) 
<laughs> it yeah. sounds like yeah, you know, declare, declare it's, it's, it's an airport, you're bad. declared. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so I don't like such that a terminology. Yeah, exactly. I think that, you know, that's not helpful in itself. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of fear that you're, you're not going to be able to be a doctor because you've got mental health illness, which yeah. is not true. As long as you're, you know, I think... Yeah as long as the medical school and the GMC knows that you're you're seeking help and you're, you've got medical advice and you're doing everything possible to get better and you know the main thing is you're safe around your patients then that's the main thing and yeah I find it really sad that people prioritize yeah. their career over their mental health almost um and you know having yeah. after setting up my instagram I've, I've heard of so many people who have taken years out or you know not full years and mm. actually that's been the best possible thing and i think if it wasn't for the lockdown that's potentially what i might have might have had to have done but you know i was even put off doing that because of no one talks about it no one talks mm. about taking years out and yeah. you know why not yeah. it's nothing to be ashamed of and i think as med students we're we're sort of we are perfectionists you Definitely. know we, to get into med school you have to be the captain of the the football team the the lead of the orchestra you know what i mean yeah. you <laughs> sort of it a comes great, with grade eight yeah. pianist um an so, opera singer you know, med students are not used to sort of inadverted commas failing or you know having you know not having to take yeah. a year out could be seen as failing so so yeah, I think I've sort of strayed away from the question, but but yeah, definitely being a med student made it harder to seek definitely. help. Definitely, um, and it kind of brings us on to the next point, which I want to touch on with you and kind of gather your thoughts. Is I'm sure a lot of people have seen, which was super cool that you were kind of described as a med influencer for the Times Magazine. Um, kind of talk about how that arrived, how that opportunity arrived, and kind of talk us through it, and then we can kind of touch on some of the points afterwards that I wanted to tackle with you. Sure. Um, yeah, so I just received a, an email from the Times magazine about a week before it happened um, saying, would I like to come up to London and, and do a photo shoot and um, mm. get get my story sort of told in in, um, in the magazine? And I said, yes, I, I, I do sort of jump at any opportunity that, that's given to me. Um, yeah. Um, on the whole, I'd say, um, hmm. and yeah, it was a great experience, and it was it felt very sort of, I felt very. It was a moment where I felt very proud of myself that I was able to yeah. um, mm. share my story in a very. Hopefully, it comes across as sort of candid and an honest um, sort of account. Um, um, yeah, and I, I hope that you know anyone that reads sort of a post that I've written or someone else has written about yeah. me. Um, does inspire hmm. someone to to know that it's you know cliche it's okay not yeah. to be okay um and to seek yeah, help and absolutely. that med students you know no. both both i really want the general public to to also know hmm. that med students and and doctors um experience mental health illness you know I, I want you know if i'm if i do end up being a gp i want my patients you know if a patient comes to me with depression i want them to sort of indirectly know that you know their doctor could have experienced it too and, and might understand and a bit more rather than it. Yeah, exactly. I, I just think that's a yeah. for me that's that's a healthy sort of relationship. Yeah, and I think when I saw the Times Magazine, I was like, "This is amazing!" Um, and every single post you curate on Instagram, it's as if you make it with love and care, and you give as much information as possible, and you make it as relatable as possible. And there are many a times where you expose yourself and show how vulnerable you are, and then it became very heartbreaking for me because I left Instagram and I went onto Twitter and all of a sudden 
mm. we see all these trolls or not necessarily trolls but all these other individuals saying mm. you know celebrities or medical professions can't be on Instagram or anything of that nature they should be working day and night 24/7 as doctors we took an mm. oath to save lives and you guys are you know glory hunters etc how mm. did that feel and how did it affect you because on one platform it's amazing and people are praising you you switch mm. to a different one and it is as if everyone is against you Yeah, I mean, I can't lie. It was obviously very hurtful and it's the first time that I've ever experienced this sort of negativity, um especially because sort of the Instagram account which is my main platform is is so supportive mm. and and amazing. So, it was a bit of a shock to the system. Um yeah. and I felt quite angry. Yeah. Um I felt as though they hadn't actually read the article. They hadn't actually seen my Instagram and I think a big thing mm. for me is that I really want to be a doctor, but I really want a life outside of medicine um and it's not healthy to all you do is to study at med school um and i yeah, think that's absolutely. my main sort of ad- objective sort of on my social yeah. media so they were going completely against that and you know i i think it's so important to have a healthcare system with happy doctors <laughs> um yeah, rather than doctors absolutely. full of you know depressed <laughs> doctors so if that means definitely. that you know maybe they know one less drug or they get 10% less mm. in their exam then so be it obviously as long as they're safe and providing the best possible care yeah. i don't mean that yeah, they don't absolutely. study it's obviously important to study um but i just think it's important that that you know we show that that doctors are humans and there was one line mm. that I, i really didn't like that was written about me which was except yeah. binny no one is claiming uh, seeking fame or something which is not what i said in yeah. classic journalist sort of adapting yeah. things slightly yeah. i what yeah. you know i'd like to make it clear to anyone listening to this that that what i sort of said was that um if there was any any time an opportunity presented where i could sort of tell my story to a bigger audience um or you know a, yeah. a large audience as possible then i'd love to to try and you know get more people sort of on board with with medics or humans and you know it's okay not to be okay saying that again um <laughs> there's a very big difference between sort of actively seeking fame and if opportunities arise yeah. to tell your story to more people then so be it but um so yeah. i could kind of see why that would be interpreted in a bad way and obviously you know i was wearing red lipstick and you know i don't think i in my professional <laughs> career i'd wear scrubs and red lipstick but but so be yeah. it medics can do <laughs> medics can do more things than than just you know mm. look after patients we're we're humans too yeah. so we're so much yeah. more i feel mm. and i think you touched on it is as i feel as if as soon as you get the title of being a doctor your everyone in society kind of puts you in this box of just being a doctor and it's mm. one of the reason why we set up the podcast um the podcast rather where we can do more than just be a doctor and i think doing things having passions and interests outside of medicine does in fact that you probably may make you a better doctor so it's a shame when the public as soon as you're a doctor all you have to do is treat patients save lives and you're not allowed to have any fun mm. you're not allowed to be outside the hospital you should leave breathe medicine yeah mm. um you you both have actually hit the nail on the head so in fact um i've actually because i think in my fourth year of med school i went to this really cool rsm conference led by i think um professor is it Simon Wesley um one of the sort of really world renowned psychiatrists and we were looking at studies which showed a that healthcare professionals do in fact suffer from more mental health conditions but then we saw several other studies whereby taking a break having a hobby having the social support networks or family friends and making sure you stick to that making sure you do have time to switch off actually results in better performance as a doctor um 
doctors who are overworked, overrun, um, have very little time for family, relationships and so forth, actually have a harder time at performing at a very good level. Um, so you've hit it right, hit, hit the nail right on the head in, the, in terms that we are human, we need to make sure we have a life outside of medicine whilst performing at the best sort of level as a doctor as well just going to agree with you and say it's really interesting and obviously you know I'm not encouraging people to make a social media account if they don't want to but it can be anything you know from playing sport to a musical instrument or reading a book yeah it's got to be so important that, that's that's exactly what I mean it might not be social media for everyone but it might be horse riding for someone it might be mm-hmm. just watching Netflix every every mm-hmm. other day or something or enjoying a show it's whatever it is just to mm-hmm. switch off um mm-hmm. but yeah absolutely agree and I was going to say, um, which was the next thing I wanted to kind of talk about, it's not only are you raising awareness about mental health, giving an insight into med school, you're kind of helping the next generation, which is super awesome to see. Um, so you founded Reach. Tell us what Reach is, why you started it, um, and how many people you've been able to help so far. Yeah, so, you know, I was getting quite a lot of messages through my Instagram about um, aspiring med students being really anxious and stressed over the process you know for anyone that Mm. doesn't know the process of applying to med school it's a very stressful time you have to do admissions tests you have to write personal statements interviews and as a 17 year old that's a, a lot to deal with and obviously because I'm so passionate about mental health I was really upset that there were so many you know a level students out there especially during the current climate stressed and worried so I kind of thought okay what can mm. I do to try and sort of resolve this um, so I thought okay a mentoring scheme you know there are so many great current med students on social media I'm sure they would be willing to help so initially I wanted to help sort of all students you know including the ones under 18 applying from school um, but as sort of it grew I, I found that a few sort of safeguarding concerns were thrown up and I realized that I actually needed to take that seriously um, and so mm-hmm. for the first year I decided that um, reach um, medical school mentoring would only be open to those applying for postgraduate medicine so therefore they mm-hmm. have already or are just about to complete their first and over the age of 18 Um, and I actually think postgraduate medicine although I went into undergraduate medicine straight from school I think it's really hard when you're applying you know I know a lot of schools are are a bit rubbish with giving support for medicine but at least you still do have teachers there able to read a personal statement and able to sort of give you a bit of guidance and in general on on the web there's a lot more guidance with applying for undergrad medicine as an A-level student rather than as a graduate Um, so yeah, Absolutely. so so far I've been able to um, match a hundred, just over one hundred and fifty, I think it is now, um, current oh, gra- wow. graduate med students with an aspiring um, med student, and I'm trying my best to match them um, to a current med student at a university they're applying to when at all possible. Um, yeah, mm. and I, I I basically sort of just connect them and sort of leave it to them. I've got some sort of I've got a a guide, a, a sort of a, a book, a guidebook, sort of how to get the most out of it, a code of conduct. Um, mm. Yeah, uh, I've sort of expanded that. A, a physician associate reached out to me and said, oh, I'd love to sort of do a similar thing for physician associate. So um, she sort of co-founded the physician associate side of it. And I think she did all the matching for that herself and sort of matched 30 to 40 pairs. Um, and recently, wow. in the last week, set up 
dentistry version um and Tash, you're on fire you're on fire (laughs) (laughs) i'm really hoping in the next year to sort of solve the safeguarding issues so it can be a sort of a you know undergraduates as well because i had so much interest from the undergraduates and i i felt so heartbroken that i I couldn't help them and you know the the safeguarding thing Mm, does feel kind of frustrating when it's 17 year olds but you know i I have to be super careful and you know i i am a bit selfish in the sense that there's nothing in it for me so i'm not risking anything um but definitely over the (laughs) you know it was i just i realized that it wasn't something that i could sort of solve within sort of a month it's definitely something that i'm going to work on within over the next year and hopefully hopefully set that up because you know there's a lot of paid for mentoring things which just i don't believe in at all like um (laughs) so yeah it's completely free and if anyone listening is applying for postgraduate um medicine dentistry or physician associate then then definitely check it out and i'd love to try and match you up with somebody definitely if you if you do if you are willing to accept two more mentors that are graduates me and ams are more than happy to kind of help um, great yeah i'd love that yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sign us up. Um, definitely um so when you we were talking you mentioned you kind of want to pursue gp um as a career is that a particular reason why you want to be a gp where did that all stem from because i think it's always interesting to know where people want to go and i don't know if you're very definitive on it whereas some medical students even as an f1 and f2 i'm sometimes thinking what specialty should i pursue running around like a headless chicken what kind <laughs> of made you go through that decision as a gp yeah i mean obviously i'm I'm not set on it um everyone tells you to keep your options open which i think is really important especially you know i haven't started i did some clinical placements in second and third year but it's it's nothing like sort Mm. of the real deal of being a doctor and i think that only comes sort of in your final years and even in f1 and f2 um so sort of i've always been a bit of a generalist like trying to be a bit of a know all about everything um and mm. failing miserably at that but <laughs> tried to be um so i think that's why something mm. general like gp a and e um appeals to me rather than something like neurology or cardiology um yeah. and i really like sort of you know you're in your gp and you don't know what's you know you don't really know what the patient is going to pre- be presenting with in, in most cases and i really like that sort of problem solving sort of detective work um i think it's exciting yeah. i get bored quite easily and i think yeah. if i was just dealing with sort of one <laughs> disease um I'd, I'd get a bit bored um so yeah, that's why GP appeals to me. And I, I, I really like how you don't have to work nights. You don't have to work weekends. Like at the present time, I I do know um, how stressful a specialty it can be, especially with sort of the 10 minute appointments and, and not enough GPs. Um, but overall sort of the work-life balance is, is definitely something that I'm, I've learned to appreciate over the, over the last sort of years dealing with my mental health illnesses. I've, I've learned to appreciate that my well-being has to be up there with sort of my career so i think for me no, that definitely. means definitely. that means having mm. having my weekends <laughs> and hopefully yeah, a family no, absolutely. in the future and, I, and being there with my family is, is, is important to me and you know there's a lot of people that would sort of look down on you for saying that there there is a bit of a stigma that you should be giving your life to medicine yeah. <laughs> um, no. i don't think i don't think that will make me into the best possible doctor like you were mentioning earlier i think you know yeah. being able to have those weekends off will make me 
hopefully will make me the best doctor I can be. Um, and I do like Definitely. how I get I get asked quite a lot. Oh, why not psychiatry then? Seeing as you're so mm. passionate about mental yeah. health, and and that is a good point actually. And sort of in the last few months, I I have been considering psychiatry more. But mm. I think I do quite like how you're sort of the first point of contact um you know yeah, I, yeah. I personally have never seen a psychiatry for my mental health and, and gps have helped me a great deal you know i haven't had all positive experiences with gps but on the whole they they have saved my life and, and helped me a lot so i mm. kind of they're, they're the ones that have helped me are sort of role models if you like it um and yeah. i do like how there's physical health included as well like i am interested by physical health as well as mental health and especially that link between how your physical health can impact on your mental health you know even yeah. someone with yeah. a broken leg who suddenly loses a lot of their independence um yeah i was true. on crutches for about two weeks and i was miserable <laughs> i was like oh god no i can't even make a cup of tea so <laughs> i find that really interesting and don't think i'd want to lose everything to do with physical health but who knows Definitely. i've got a long long way ahead of me as you two yeah, know so yeah. the world is your oyster and yeah. yeah i quite like how g sorry I, i'm rambling now but i quite like how gp you can sort of work two or three days a week in a gp practice and then do something completely different that appeals sounds to me like a, a dream lot. job yeah that, that appeals to me as well tash yeah <laughs> I, I, I did the job i did the job and i actually i everything that you just basically said i experienced and i loved it as well you got to work in a in a set sort of uh, to set hours rather than rotated in to do lots of different mm. on calls and stuff you had weekends you had evenings um i mean the work and the work was actually it was very enjoyable it was you had from dermatology cases to psych mm. cases to um trauma to x y and z and as you said you don't know what comes through the door and it is so fun you're right it is a very very fun job i recommend it and for the same reasons i also recommend ed so i have no idea where i'm going to end up but yeah you hit the nail on the uh, nail on the head again yeah so, it's always good to um, good to yeah. hear that from some like an actual doctor who's actually done the job <laughs> like it's so nice no, when i'm actually talking to a gp and you know they're sort of asking me yeah. why i want to do it and i haven't got some mad idea made up in my head yeah. of what it's actually like i think a lot of people <laughs> i think a lot of people also say oh aren't you dealing with people with like a sprained ankle or a cut on their finger yeah. um and i think that's actually really rewarding as well like being able to reassure yeah, people yeah, you know definitely. maybe people come with sort of a lump and they think it might be malignant like a cancer and and you're able to use your like clinical knowledge to actually reassure them and say look i'm pretty confident that it's not and it's going to be okay and you know if you make someone be able exactly. to sleep at night like that's that's amazing no so exactly i think yeah and i think yeah i think gp does get a bit of stick like i used to go to my gp on a regular basis for nosebleeds and i'm sure nosebleeds isn't it's not like end of the world but for me <laughs> it really affected work mm. i used to get a nosebleed every morning when i used to wake up it took 10 15 20 minutes to control it i used to always run late mm. and my gp helped me through it she sorted out you know kind of specialist care for etc etc mm. but it was taking a massive hit in my life to kind of you know you can imagine mm. i'm driving suddenly and all of a sudden my nose is pouring and i have to you know stop on the hard shoulder to kind of get hold of it yeah. but yeah i definitely think gp land does get a bit of stick in terms of like you're not really dealing with any medical pathology which i think is shame and and wrong um which kind of brings me to the next point what can we the f- the main thing is me and ams we want to learn a bit more is what can we do to kind of raise awareness in terms of mental health conditions that people may be suffering in silence what do you what advice would you give to other medical students and doctors like me and Ams um, in kind of making 
medicine a better environment for individuals that do have mental health conditions? Well, I mean, I think you're already doing a great job with this podcast and, and you know, reaching out to med students as doctors, I think is great. Um, I, I, I think the biggest piece of advice I would give to, to everybody um, is to sort of look after your well-being before you, you get an illness, just in the same as physical health. You know, we try and eat healthily, mm. we try and exercise, mm. try and do the same for same for your mind. And um, I think... I think it's really hard, especially because, you know, the, the stats say it themselves, even if we, we ourselves um, don't experience mental health illness, we probably will know somebody um, who is going through a mental yeah. health illness or has done. Um, I think it's really hard knowing like what to say or, or how to support them. Um, Hmm. But I, I think just being there for them and, you know, if it's a friend, you know, even offering to, to go to a, a, the GP with them. And um, yeah, it, it's really hard to, to know, you know, what the right thing to do is. But I think you guys are, are doing a fab job and just, you know, I think as doctors to sort of communicating with med students and hmm. as much yeah, as you can course, and, yeah. and, and just talking to them in a, in a normal human way, as in, you know, maybe just say, hmm. oh, you know, what are you doing after your placement or, you know, rather than just I know it's, it's obviously very hard when you're a doctor and you're really busy and there's lots yeah. going on and um hmm. but yeah i think just treating everybody like as humans is, is a good start of that course. sounds really I weird yeah, that is, <laughs> no it is and it's funny and it's a shame we have to say it like that mm. considering how bad the profession has gone and what advice would you give to students particularly medical students or even dental students in fact that are in a very high stressed degree or high stressed program that may be suffering that may be having symptoms of anxiety depression that are a bit worried what advice would you give them i'd say number one in the uk we're so lucky to have this free and and wonderful i know there are slight faults to it but wonderful healthcare system um and, and use it go and speak to your gp i mean it's, it's 10 minutes of your life okay you might have to wait 20 minutes beforehand but um <laughs> bring some work or a book with you and, and go and speak to them and mm. uh, you know that they're, they're not gonna your problem is never too small it's never too big um mm. and even if you you know they just refer you on to x counseling service or you know cbt um so be it um you can also self-refer to what's it called iaps is it iapt um for the cbt yeah. um and you can sign up to your university counseling service you know you don't have to have a, a doctor's letter to do that um and yeah like i say i think a lot of people leave um mental health illnesses um to a very late stage until they seek help um and yeah. you know when it's reached a stage where it's detrimental to to their lives and to others as mine was whereas in general um people with physical a physical health illness or complaint would, would seek help much sooner so so I, I want people to to do the same with mental health if possible and then you know you don't leave it to the stage where you know maybe you, you just have cbt and that actually fixes in an inverted commas i don't like the word fix but sort of solves the, mm. the, the the illness um before you know it develops into like i did like getting suicidal thoughts which, yeah. I, which I wouldn't wish on anybody um so yeah that would be my biggest piece of advice and you know think about so my kind of life motto is i'd i'd much rather get 10 percent less in, in an exam but actually yeah. be relatively happy um, obviously, I'm not saying yeah, that yeah, don't absolutely. study and don't pass your exams. Like it is important to pass <laughs> your exams. Um, but yeah, like just think how 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 much you know. Prioritize all the other things um, like exercise, like seeing your friends, even if it means you're studying slightly less. I think that's really important. Hmm. 
Absolutely. No, definitely agree. And I couldn't have said it better. I think you've given us such an amazing insight and you've given us such great advice. And I hope we can take it on board um, and all our listeners and kind of do um, raise awareness and kind of do help improve our stance on it as a medical profession. Um, it's been a massive pleasure, Tash, to kind of ask you. I'm conscious of time and I don't want to take up too much of the time. Um, it's always a privilege for us to kind of meet people like yourselves, Tash, who are happy and open to sharing their story. Um, Absolutely, my pleasure to, to talk about it and thanks so much for inviting me on here. Um, well, yeah, I'm not doing anything else with my Sunday, so don't worry at no. all. Um, people <laughs> no. can reach me on Instagram. Uh, it's at Tash yep. underscore the medic. Uh, I've got a new adventure, which is YouTube, uh, which is Tash the medic again. Um, uh, nice. And I've also in the last two days um, set up, yep. um, what's it called? It's called Future Frontline. Um, and basically mm. this is you can find us on Instagram on the future frontline and the website is going to be launched hopefully in the next two days uh, and basically it's going to be a site for all healthcare professionals you know from physios to occupational health to dentists to uh, everything medics to to share sort of mm. blog articles on on um, what their life is like and why they chose that degree so I'd encourage anybody oh, to, to get in cool. touch um, if you're interested in sort of writing a blog post for that or, or just reading it. Um, and I'm hoping that nice. that will be a good place to sort of point the trolls towards <laughs> and say, look, mm. this, is, um, <laughs> yeah. this is this is the future um, sort of healthcare professionals who are going to be looking after you. We're not we're not all yeah. bad people. <laughs> <laughs> but thanks so, thanks so much, guys. I've really enjoyed talking to you. And it's, it's always Thank a pleasure no. to speak to sort of sort of the, the doctors and you know further on in in your obviously a lot further on in yeah. your career than i am so thank you no it's always good fun for us and we do really love it so thank you ever so much for taking time out and thank you to our listeners who have kind of supported us um in our journey